to Movie Buffs. This is a show that covers the best action films of all time. I'm your host, Cisco, um, a.k.a. Misfit Minded. And you can find me on Twitter at Rampage underscore Misfit and at my movie pages at Misfit underscore Minded on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Yes. And I'm your host, Shani B. And you can find me on all the socials at Shani B Movies. Before we yeah. go in, I want to talk uh, movies. If if you have, have you been able to catch uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent since we spoke after I saw it on Tuesday? <laughs> no, unfortunately, no. Like I just got my uh, right. my car back yesterday, so have not Glad been to uh, able to to go around to the to the movies at all. But um, yeah, how how were the movies though? The new new movies. Let me know. So good. So good. I mean, I definitely yeah. cannot wait to talk about it with you, of course, because also uh, The Northman is is awesome. So I yeah. I always love talking movies with you. I'm so bummed that you couldn't go. I'm, I'm I feel know. sad on your behalf. I'm like <laughs> I'm like three movies behind already, and then Doctor Strange comes out this week. So I don't know how I'm going to like catch up, you know, see everything. Yeah, <laughs> it's gonna be. You got to do a double process, feature, I guess. Right. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to see that to one of these days. Uh, I love a good sure. double feature, though. The best. Yeah. No, it should be fun. Nice. Um, but yeah, I've I've just been uh, watching TV shows. Really, that's it. Um, yeah, how in the meantime, was, uh, so. Yeah, I, I, tell me about uh, the the second half of Ozark. I, I'm like really waiting because I'm afraid it'll be like a really intense emotional experience. How are you satisfied uh, with it? I uh, just started like the first three episodes of Ozark, like probably not even that far. So, <laughs> okay, okay, and, uh, I cannot even tell you. Um, but yeah, I just okay, wanted good. to, because I know it's ending. I was like, I might as well start it now, just because it's going to be over. So, yeah, I thought you meant like starting the second TV half. Shows. No, no, I'm into that TV too. Shows. I don't because like they take years to make seasons, and then I'm like, wait, what happened three years ago? on that show <laughs> it's true so uh, it's true i just i binge them uh rather than you know trying to remember everything um so yeah i just started it it's it's pretty intense already i'm not gonna lie for like two episodes in i'm like holy shit that's not what oh, i yeah. expected the show to be about but uh yeah mm-hmm. we'll see and yeah, then it's um, definitely uh, a great uh show long term like worthwhile in terms of just how some shows have no incentive to finish a story. And I feel like Ozark yeah. does a good job of, of tying bows when it needs to, but keeping the shit crazy, breaking bad style. So I'm excited for you. You know, a lot of people like it too, like that it's consistently, you know what I mean? Like people mm-hmm. uh, consistently like uh, talk about it and watch it, which is like, a, like you said, a good thing. Cause that's always my problem with TV shows too, is like they don't keep my interest over period and like that like after this i'm gonna watch better call Saul finally too so <laughs> I got yes odin kirk for life catch up on yeah but i i have uh uh watched i'm i'm all caught up on uh have you been have you ever seen the cursed films uh show no no but i was curious about it yeah tell me about it um oh it's you'll you'll love it it's it's really okay. i i watched the first season um like I think maybe like last year, uh, the first season came out, and I and I mm-hmm. I liked it, but I I definitely was like this could definitely be improved, and like the new season just dropped on shut. It's a, I think it's almost over. Um, so but they've been dropping an episode every week, and basically it's just like movies Sick. that like have inf- infamous infamously cursed 
films uh, allegedly, you know, and like uh-huh. trying to debunk like if it if there is such a thing as a, a cursed film and like and I think the problem with the first season it seemed like the creators like actually were like trying to prove if they were cursed or not, which like I'm just not interested in at all. Like I'm not, you right. know, supernatural know shit. Like I just like I, yeah, just tell me the crazy facts of what happened, and then season two just straight up is like what I my all my problems with the first season. You know, it seemed like I probably wasn't the only one because they like rectified. They like they don't have like yes. exorcists, uh, like people who believe in exorcisms and shit come on and like try and scientifically prove. Like no, it's just like people <laughs> that worked on the on the films come on. So this season, I'm in particular, I like that they kind of expanded outside of the horror genre too because the first episode was Wizard of Oz, which is like one of my all time favorites. So uh, I yes. love that they, they did that one. Um, the latest episode was uh, Serpent in the Rainbow from Wes Craven. Uh, wow. Which I ne- I've never seen before, but like apparently <laughs> they like Me either. had to flee. They had to flee Haiti because of uh, <laughs> all of the unrest that was happening there. Uh, and they tried Whoa. to shoot on location. So that was nuts. I had no idea. I, I actually cool. really want to see the movie now because some of the shots like looked really intense and like wow. uh so that was that was uh and then trying to think some of the other episodes too. Like they're they're all good though. Like um oh Rosemary's Baby, that was like an episode. Yes. Um and so yeah, a lot, a lot of the season is more just like people that worked on it and talking about their experience and not like you know, I do believe it was cursed because, you know, the sign right. was, it was uh, Highway six, uh, on, <laughs> at six o'clock on the sixth day of the month. Like, no, it was just. <laughs> yeah, I'm not into that. I'm not into that either. Yeah, it's, Amazing, it's a lot better. Cool. Like, and, and it, yeah, so I, I would recommend it. Season two is real good. Awesome. I yeah, I love I love content about movies being made, whether it's like a satire or it's like documentaries about movies. So I love a good show that's gonna just give me some dirt. I I feel like every movie is cursed, honestly. It's a wonder that any movie ends up being good considering how hard they are to make. (laughs) It it's yeah, it is amazing. And like um boy, the the other episode this season that was really good was uh Stalker. Uh, which again, Ooh. that's another one I haven't seen, but I'm interested in seeing now after seeing the episode. Uh, yeah. it's a sci-fi. That's a sci-fi film from uh, Andre Tarkovsky, um, and Ooh. people think that he predicted uh, Chernobyl because there's so many similarities to the film and into Chernobyl, which happened after the film. <laughs> Let's go. Let's <laughs> so that was, go. That was fucking insane too. So yeah, all the stories. I'm just like, again, I'm. I'm not interested. Like even the Rosemary's Baby episode, like I, I, it's it was kind of gross. Like you know, in mm-hmm. season one they did like a poltergeist episode, and like even one of the guys was saying like, you can't say like the little girl's disease was because of poltergeist. Like that's kind of disrespectful. And, right. Um, yeah. So I think they're kind. That's why they kind of leaned away from that type of stuff. Same thing with like Rosemary's Baby. Like you can't blame the tape murders on a movie like it's just that's no. gross like just stop <laughs> it's, we we that's but, mental illness is what that is it's crazy they, <laughs> straight up yeah but like i said this 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 time it's just like they're they're just saying like you know just factually this happened this ha- and it's like just the list of shit that like went down you're like I mean, yeah, that's, that's a lot of bad stuff that happened <laughs> to this guy <laughs> and uh, to this director and to this, uh, right? all the people that were involved in this movie. So, 
you know, maybe some people, and it's crazy that some people on, on the sets actually do, do believe that, like, yeah, like they're like, yeah, I think we might have yeah. been cursed. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, how yeah. else can you explain some of the crazy shit people experience when they're making movies? Right. It's like a exactly. surreal experience across the board. But that's why I love stuff like that. I love geeking out on it because, you know, as you and I talk about and know all the time, uh, movies are the best. But yeah, I was just going to say that, like, uh, it is kind of a cheat that, like, it is a show, but it's about movies still, though. So <laughs> Exactly. So it's, it's not it's not. I'll movies, take it. But, uh, yeah. Um, totally. But, yeah, do you want to – there is a lot to talk about with Spider-Man. So if, if you want, I, I, we can just jump right into this, too, and start. Let's go. Yeah. Start going in on it. Today we're talking about the monumental, groundbreaking 2002 film from Sam Raimi, uh, Spider-Man on its 20th anniversary uh, this week. And if you haven't seen it, um, I mean, you've been living under a rock. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. Uh, or, or, or you probably already still know what Spider-Man's about um, with No Way Home and everything just being like the biggest movie. Um, but if just for the sake of this episode, uh, when bitten by a genetically modified spider, a nerdy, shy and awkward high school student played by Tobes Maguire, gains spider-like abilities that he eventually must use to fight evil uh, as a superhero by the name of Spider-Man after tragedy befalls his family. Uh, so, Shani B., are you a fan of this movie? What do you love? What do you hate? I'm a huge fan of this movie. I love <laughs> it so much. I continue to love it. It Every time I revisit it, or, I mean, revisit the first two, but especially this first one, there's just something so magical about it. Dare I say, amazing even. It's so grounded, <laughs> you know? Like, Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man is just, he's my guy. You know, I like all the different faces we've seen, but there's just something so, like, really raw about how it's so clear he's the first uh, boy to play Spider-Man, if you will. And this movie just has so many great things about it. It, like, explains the whole story. So if you don't know the comics, you can be in there immediately and get it right away. And it's also, like, a total adventure, like all Sam Raimi movies are. So I, oh, man, I fucking love this movie. Uh, what about you? What's your relationship to Spider-Man, the film? Um well, first of all, I just because you said uh, amazing, they do say amazing like lots of times in this movie. I noticed on this last rewatch, like they're really hammering home the amazing part of Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, uh, like when he's the uh, pro wrestler thing, when he does that wrestling thing, Bruce Campbell calls him the Amazing Spider-Man. <laughs> and even uh, I think Mary Jane at one point is like, "You're amazing," and I'm like, oh, "Okay, yeah." <laughs> they're really, <laughs> they're really go going for gotta it. Gotta love um, it. I mean, you gotta love it. Yeah, I. I put this movie is uh, a part of my DNA, uh, like it's a radioactive spider that bit me, uh, because it is. Uh, and yes. you, know, you said like about you said about the comics, like I was a huge fan of the comics, like and um, it was always between uh, Wolverine and Spider Man. Those were like my two guys. If I had to pick mm. like my favorite superhero, but I would say the older I get, I I have to put Spider-Man is, is, is number one for me. He just is, there's just so much good Spider-Man content out there. It's hard to, it's hard to beat him. Like, and I, I love Logan. <laughs> I loved what Hugh Jackman brought to that character. But if we're talking about relatability, we're talking about themes of adulthood and responsibility 
you know, that we, we talked about a lot in our Spider-Man 2 episode, which is up now. Mm-hmm. You guys can check that one out. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. This this rewatch, like, it really held up for me as well. Like, it's just there's something about it. Like, and I, I think part of it is the whole, like, um, you know, th- they tried to touch on, like, you know, male puberty and, like, with uh, mm-hmm. you know, Uncle Ben and, and Aunt May being, like, you know, kids in their raging hormones <laughs> and, all, and, all, and, all, and all that stuff. And it's, like, yep. I do think that's part of it. I think Tobey Maguire's performance um, is still, like, my favorite out of all of the, the Peter Parkers. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head in the Spider-Man 2 episode that, like, all the other ones are just too damn cool. Uh, Wire is not not someone I would describe as cool. No, <laughs> so absolutely that's not. Why that's why he's the best Peter Parker um, for me. And um, yeah, it's just the emotional beats all hit. Um, this one, I think, you know, compared to the Spider Man two episodes, more about like you know emotionally maturing in high school and coming to terms with you know that that stage of becoming your own person as an adult, which is like we can all relate right. to. Uh, you know, and even as like a kid reading the comics, uh, you know, that's probably what, uh, you know, every, everyone loves about Peter Parker and why he's like still, you know, one mm-hmm. of the best, I mean, No Way Home is like why everyone loved that movie. <laughs> it was such a phenomenon yes. last year. Um, well, and also so, yeah, it got I, me, but, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. I, it just, it got me thinking that without Tobey Maguire's performance, we like don't get to have the depth that both Andrew Garfield and then Tom Holland are able to even bring Spider-Man farther towards. I, I feel like re-watching this really made me feel like, wow, he planted a seed that let these other men take this thing into an even more grounded space because arguably the other two Spider-Men, they also meet adversity, but their adversity is so much darker than his. Like, yeah, that's, losing that is Uncle true. Ben is the worst, but it's nothing compared to losing Aunt May. Also, uh, the whole world being destroyed and dying uh, for a little while there, snapping your girlfriend's neck. Like, oh man, the other Spider Man really true. had to go deep. <laughs> that is true. I never really thought about that. Um, I don't. I don't know though. I, I think that like Sam Raimi, like his give. Which well, we'll talk about him a lot in this episode. Uh, but like. there's just uh, something so visceral about the way that he makes movies that like, even though what you're saying, like in the script is true, Mm -hmm. this one hits the hardest still for me. Like it's still all the emotional beats. I'm like, God, like when uncle Ben dies and Peter's holding him and just crying, like, it's just, it gets me every time. Uh, Still um, like, yeah, it's just the emotional beats mixed with, you know, the dark, like, this movie is still dark, like, don't get it twisted, like, totally. people die, Green, Green Goblin has, I looked it up, has the highest body count out of all the Spider-Man villains, bar he's none really in scary this movie. too. He's killing yeah. motherfuckers, he's scary out here, yeah, he's scary a little legit fuck. Jekyll and Hyde, uh, yeah, and then you, you got, like, um, you know, Uncle Ben dying on screen, uh, which is just, like, so heart-wrenching, uh, you have like, you know, basically Harry, his best friend, you know, m- stealing his girl that he's loved his whole life. Like, yeah, what a shitty friends. <laughs> Harry's <laughs> such a piece of shit. This? Yeah. Harry is the worst. The, and also from the opening scene when uh, Peter's like telling him the factoid about spiders and he's like, who gives a shit? Like, and then yeah. just repeats it to Mary Jane. I was like, oh, God, this guy is such a douche. Like, <laughs> such a douche. 
when like Mary Jane calls uh, uh, the dad, uh, Willem Dafoe, like a creep, she's like, whatever. I heard everything that that creep said. <laughs> Franco's response is like, hey, that's my father you're talking about. Like, what a stupid character Harry Osborn is. Just a total I'm lucky, impotent. I'm lucky if I'm like... half the man that he is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. He's so misguided. It's kind of hilarious to revisit because the Green Goblin is such a strong villain and it's so random. It's just so random that uh, it, it has that edge of scariness to it because later we'll be more emotionally uh, invested. And I agree that this one is more of an experience. It really feels like you can both identify with maybe what Peter's going through on like a teenage level. But also the filmmaking feels like a ride. It feels immersive. And the other Spider-Mans, I just, they can't quite do that because I can't really be immersed in, you know, Endgame. Otherwise, I have a mental health crisis happening. You know, like, it just, it gets to be, it gets to be accessible even through Harry Osborn because we all know, like, a total wet blanket kid who was, like, always crying. Did you notice how Franco's eyes are teary this entire movie? I said the same thing in the Spider-Man 2 episode. I was like, Peter, it looks like he's about to cry in every scene. And uh, I think that's just the, all the men in this movie and like, these movies are just required like to just like before every scene, just like the little yep. teardrops, like put Wet it in. up a little bit. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, it's but just so random. I was uh, I wanted to go back to like because uh, I remember in the Spider-Man 2 episode, we were kind of talking about like Franco and being like, you know, uh, like is is he is he right for this part and like revisiting part one i'm like yeah franco is like the perfect harry osborne perfect. like just the first mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. that is exactly the type of guy where like he could be a, a likable and and funny dude and, and like somebody want to be around but mm-hmm. because of his dad he is just like yeah like you said the most misguided spoiled brat and, and yep yeah i i think that was that was definitely like a good call on their part uh, for for them to cast uh, Franco because we'll get into the, there's the casting on this movie is probably oh, the longest insane. casting what if list of we have to save a lot of time for that because every <laughs> single part had like twenty oh, names on it <laughs> amazing <laughs> amazing uh, but yeah Franco even auditioned for Peter Parker though um, before wow be, being being Harry so I don't I don't think that would have worked. I don't think that uh, would have nah, worked at all. Nah. But him at him as Harry, as the spoiled son of you know billionaire Norman Osborn, perfect, right? Perfection. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He his what he's doing and the choices he makes in this are they all they're congruent with this being really experiential too. Because I think we did all know a version of that kid, just like we all knew a version of Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it, Franco's annoying as hell, but he is a good actor, you know, that's, he does. But that's his character. That's the character. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So like it's, yeah. It's so it is a good performance in that respect. Um, let's do uh, totally. questions and plot holes we had for this movie. Uh, there's, there's a, there's a couple, even though I love this movie. <laughs> Same. <laughs> there are some, it's, uh, so yeah, why don't you why don't you start off? What, what were some of yours uh, that you had for this? 
Well, I recently rewatched The Fly. So while I was rewatching this, I couldn't help but thinking like how lucky Spider-Man is ultimately that the cross genetic mutation is not. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Like all I could think was like, he's so lucky that it just makes him buff and able to shoot webs and stuff and super strong. Like what a great, what a lucky draw. Six uh, arms out of his side. (laughs) <laughs> exactly exactly yeah you know, he really he definitely won the lottery there and i love to how in in the beginning when the green goblin uh first kidnaps him he doesn't kill him he's standard villain style monologues at him and then wants to collaborate which i always find really funny like why does the green goblin want so badly to kill collaborate the uh... with spider-man that is true. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the motivation. I guess like because he. I guess it's just a power thing. He says that like, mm. you know, because Norman is a is a power hungry, you know, businessman. Uh, true. But he doesn't kill the uh, the person who killed uh, Uncle Ben either. Uh, if you That's know, right. like he he tri- he trips himself. I think that was a, a purposeful thing by the filmmakers to be like, this is not Batman. Like as as dark as the no. film is, and Green Goblin is like the Joker of. The Spider-Man yeah. universe. Spider-Man is a kid who uh, is will try and talk you down before you know getting to that point. Um, so yeah. I think I think yeah. So I, I think that that was intentional as well. But uh, yeah, yeah I, think, I, I do that, think that's funny though. <laughs> yeah, I think that's what makes Spider-Man better than Batman too. Is like he still has the optimism and naivete of youth to believe that there is a possible positive outcome in situations and of course batman has like lost any space for that he's real disillusioned (laughs) and i i appreciate that because it i guess it like makes the stakes feel more authentic too where you're like not really sure what's going to happen because spider-man's going to work really hard not to have to kill anybody and it Mm -hmm. won't quite be you know just like a a lazy conversation in wonder woman too you know, it'll be like was, a more meaningful conversation. <laughs> that was a huge plot point in No Way Home, too, with uh, Peter trying to, like, recover the villains, uh, yeah. you know, to, ma- to make them, to make, you know, uh, re- uh, re- rehabilitate them rather than just, like, lock them up or kill them, which happens in, like, all these movies. Yeah, uh, I mean, I didn't though- love... I don't love the trend in all superhero movies where there like isn't really a fight anymore. I'll be honest, but that's why I like Spider Man and I like this that. one. Yeah, is that like he there's tries, but he's also home, but... exactly. It's like <laughs> he also knows that if someone is an irrational person, it's not like you can just make them rational. And we can't really reconcile the fact that like sometimes a fight, a power struggle must take place, it's and we do need a good happen. guy to win. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like Spider Man always has that balance in a really even way. This isn't a No Way Home episode, but I do want to say if <laughs> a Willem Dafoe looking guy came across another universe and was like trying to act like he was a good guy, I'd be like, nah, bro. Like, you look nope. crazy. <laughs> yes. The fact that yes. they trust him like so fast in No Way Home, that was like my biggest plot hole of No Way Home. Like, come so on, guys. <laughs> it's true. He looks evil immediately. But, you know, he is also kind of like Franco. They are doing something similar, which is really cool here, too, that, like, you can tell that Norman Osborn wants to be a good man as well. He wants to be a good guy who would never do any of the things the Goblin does, but he has this dark side he won't integrate. And Harry is exactly like that. That's why he is such a two-faced dick stealing all of Parker's lines. You know, he 
he's just like his dad. And man, Willem Dafoe's so good at that. <laughs> I, I had that in my notes as well, that like that was something I noticed this time is like every character is so like deep and, and like complex. Like there's mm-hmm. they you you know all their motivations and they're not just outright evil. Like every person, no. even Harry, even Norm, even Norman is getting the rug pulled out from under him from his his peers. You know what I mean? He's he's feeling the That's pressure right. of his company is about to be, uh, you know, taken over for, by somebody else. And, yep. you know, he's desperate to get something done. Harry's trying to get his dad's approval. Um, and even like Mary, even like Mary Jane, you know what I mean? Gets like, I think she gets a lot more uh, emotional complexity than a lot of these like leading ladies yeah. get in this movie, uh, which we can yeah. talk about. Um, but, uh, but yeah, for my, <laughs> for my, yeah, for yours. Files, um, okay. So, I think, you know, the famous one that everyone always points out is that, like, these are all 20-somethings playing high schoolers, which, yes, <laughs> this is a trend back in the day. But it's still happening. Like, I, I hate that people are, like, Guys, always point single Spider-Man out. To... Euphoria, teenagers... yeah. Euphoria is played by 20, 30-year-olds, too. So stop it. Stop we treating Spider-Man to... like it was the only one that did this. Okay, that's all I ask. <laughs> Thank you for bringing that up. Thank you for bringing that up because we have to just admit that no, you can't like know something enlightened about yourself in real time. No human being can do that. So we need people in their 20s to play teens because they fucking know about their 20s or now they know what it was like to be a teenager. They they did it. Old as hell now, and I'm still going to watch it. I don't care. Hell yeah. Let's go. Exactly. You know, they capture the essence. And I have to say, I guess like we never really noticed it because they I think they were do- roughly doing a good job, a good enough job for us when we were their contemporaries. I, say, I didn't notice it, but I will say like as a kid watching this, like this depiction of high school fucking terrified me. <laughs> like I was like, this yeah. is what high school is like. <laughs> like you're going to get it did not look on good. the way to you're- you're going to you're going to like be chasing after buses and like, oh, my God. <laughs> yep. Uh, so, I mean, and, but Flash Thompson, I said, like, the worst one for me was Joe Manganiello playing a high schooler. Like, insane. yeah, clearly. Yeah, clearly <laughs> like insane. a teacher. Yeah. Maybe even to maybe even not workable <laughs> as a teacher. But but so like, what a crazy coincidence for him to be here too. <laughs> just arm around K Dunst. It's so good. <laughs> too good he has some great lines too like i love i still love like um you know i don't want to fight you flash i wouldn't want to fight me neither yes <laughs> that's one of my my favorites and uh i mean and it, it yeah. kind of does i think the effect of it though of like even like his friend too is like looks like a college kid like they look so old yeah. that his posse and but having the bullies look older i guess does kind of uh, have an effect where it's like Peter looks like more frail in effect. You know what I mean? By, totally. by them picking on him and being and like I, the looking older and being physically more imposing. So I guess it works. Totally. Too. And I guess that in this story, they let Peter be a senior. It's like they all graduate from high school too. So they're supposed yes. to be Smart. like believably older. And I feel yep. like when they get, when we get into that space where Peter's like a sophomore and Garfield is like almost 30 playing him, that's like the best. <laughs> That's yeah, and, and in No Way Home, uh, you know, it's that's the third movie with Tom Holland. He's just now graduating high school, so it's not. So I think people get <laughs> get it misconstrued that like you know Peter Parker is a freshman in this movie. He's a senior. He's graduating. They're college. They're college aged. You know, pretty much right Kids now. now. 
into college. So, right. um, so yeah, I, I, that was more of a defense of anything. I mean, that's, but that's what every, everyone always picks on this movie for, for that. So, uh, of course. rude, but, uh, uh, what else did I have here? <laughs> uh, some of the CGI early 2000 CGI. I mean, what are you going to do? Great. Uh, I, I think on the whole though, it's because Sam Raimi has that background in practical filmmaking, uh, you know, it, he, he still grounds it, uh, a lot, a lot of the time, uh, yeah. where it doesn't take me out still. Um, totally. I guess like Peter, <laughs> Peter is so sloppy at covering his identity. That's like a huge one too, for me. Uh, yeah, he because is. I just wrote down like every time he showed his face or like did something that could <laughs> get his identity found out. And it's a lot. I mean, he shows I mean, the wrestling promote, he shows the wrestling promoter's face. Uh, yep. as wrestling as spider-man uh he gets into a fight at school with flash beats up flash when he's like this nerdy kid and has webbing yep. in the lunchroom aunt may peeks into his room when he has like spider webs galore everywhere uh, <laughs> and he's a photographer for the daily bugle taking shots of spider-man that like how the fuck would he get some of these shots in the sky uh yes. and he yells out mary he yells out mary jane at one point when this is supposed to be some random lady like some random girl that he's saving he's like mary jane <laughs> yes yeah when she's wearing <laughs> that like, amazing you're you're blowing it like this is you're the, <laughs> i mean i guess because he's a teenager it makes sense but like yeah, very bad job by Peter by uh, disguising his identity in this. <laughs> yes, yeah, he is really not prepared for the life he's about to start living. But that's kind of what's great about the arc of this movie is that, like, he is learning over the course of three of them how to integrate Spider-Man into his full-on identity. And, you know, we talked about how in Spider-Man 2, he just straight up, like, the whole subway train all sees his yeah. face and they're it all like, it's worse. cool, we're it not going to tell anybody. <laughs> yeah, we're like, we won't tell anyone no worries like it's it is interesting how his his version of trying to figure out how to like be a kid and spider-man at the same time has so much to do about how much of a bumbling nerd he is you know he like trips over himself when his powers don't work he's he he, like breaks stuff with his super strength i would say go ahead the, the other Spider-Man, I would I will give them, you know, quipping is a huge part of the character in the comics, and Toby mm-hmm. is not the best quipper. <laughs> He's uh, so bad ha- at it. Holland and Garfield definitely have the edge when it comes to the quips, for sure. <laughs> totally. Like the one even totally. when he was he's fighting uh you know macho man Randy Savage and he's like, What did your yeah. uh, husband get you that dress or something? <laughs> or that that outfit? Yes. I'm like so bad. Like that was so bad. Like that's the best you got, so man. Bad. <laughs> um, well, especially because the last he's one just I not had. that kind of dude. So he gets the nerd factor, but he really can't get the he can't slide into the cool factor like the other guys do. Yeah. So that that's the one thing I would say. He like the others edge him out on. And then the last one I had that always bothered me. How does mm. Green Goblin yell like a woman in the in the burning building when he's like, "Hi, babe." That's what a great question. What? I don't. Yeah, like, honestly, he legit I screams like know. a woman, and Spider Man, like you know, he turns around and punches Spider Man. It's a great reveal, but like the fact he's like, "My baby." <laughs> So good. It yeah, makes me it, laugh. It makes me laugh it, every time. It's uh, true. It is it is that perfect Sam Raimi uh, cross between scary and humor. hilarious. 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And Willem Dafoe like fits into that so well. What a great, what a great comparison so here. Cause I feel like Sam Raimi has to have at least one of these characters in his movies for them to be able to really have the best of what he does because, you know, for the other actors in the story, they're all doing a good job, but you know, Tobey Maguire isn't exactly campy. Neither is Dunst and neither was James Franco at this point, at least you know, he'll yeah. evolve into that. But but, you know, it's interesting because Defoe has never been afraid to be like, I'm the weirdest guy in the room. And I love that about him. And I feel like Sam Raimi had way fun with that. 110% committed. Like, I, even mm-hmm. when I reviewed No Way Home, he is the best part of No Way Home, hands down. I fucking love so him. So uh, He is always down to, like, just throw himself into a row. I mean, I, I, I didn't even, Seriously. even part of the he He'll pop up in movies that I'll forget he's in. Like, for example... I'm like, just had the TV on before work this week. And like, usually movies mm-hmm. are playing on like TNT. And I just like, I'm getting ready for work. I just have it playing in the background. All of a sudden, yep. Willem Dafoe pops up in a movie. And I'm like, wait, what movie is this? Like, I don't, what is this? It was Triple X2, State of the Union with Ice Cube. Willem Dafoe is the ah. bad guy in that. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I'm just like, Fuck of yes. course he is. If you need a reliable character actor villain, you call Willem Dafoe. Uh, like yep like it's a no-brainer so yeah he let's get into some of these performances of the filmmaking but uh because yeah Willem Dafoe just one of the all-time villains I I I love his performance here the Jekyll and Hyde you know once he gets like infected and he's he's performing to himself in the mirror yes that that's class class acting right there like just (laughs) because he has to play like bumbling emotional like but why like do we have to do it he's like crying to himself and then like the yes. other side you got like the green goblin like yes do it and it's like oh he's so good at both at both like so it's, good and he and they, they he's so good at it this is how good he is they bring it back in part two when harry mm-hmm. uh finds out defoe comes back to just to do like one more uh green goblin scene and then with no way home they bring him back a third time so it's like yes they can't they cannot quit defoe uh in this universe and i don't blame them no one can he's that good yeah no one can (laughs) no every director that works with defoe never stops working with him he always comes back to any director that he's worked with before movies and what's kind of cool about what he's doing here is right alongside of Spider-Man, they're both having the identity crisis of being genetically altered and having to figure out what they're going to do going forward. And so it is really interesting to see the two sides of that coin where power is the corrupting force and with great power comes responsibility. So it's it's really awesome that in this story, it's mirroring uh they're mirroring each other rather than, you know, how in Homecoming, uh, Michael uh, Keaton's character already exists. Yeah. He's already like being a villain, has had his whole origin story happen already, <laughs> you know? I Dual like origin I stories like is pretty baller. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's because they nailed it here. They'd already perfectly done it with the Green Goblin. And that's that's what I did not like about the Andrew Garfield uh, Spider-Man. Mm. Like, why why do the same thing over again? Like, because you're yeah. just going to immediately be compared and like remakes do that. But like, was that like 10 years after uh, this one, that's not enough time. Like we remember, uh, yeah. I, I, re- I certainly remembered Uncle Ben dying and, you know, the, the amazing Spider-Man version just wasn't as good. It just I'm sorry the the uh, Martin Sheen 
Uncle Ben death did not hit as hard as the Cliff Robertson one here. Uh, no, so, seriously, um, seriously. Yeah. It's it's very smart they didn't do that again for a third time mm-hmm. in the the new MCU films. I'm with you, um, but yeah, this uh, the screenplay was written by David Kep. Uh, yeah. He was a go-to Hollywood guy as well. His fourth screenplay, this was to hold the opening weekend box office record to others being wow. Jurassic Park, Mission Impossible, and The Lost World Jurassic Park. Uh, so he was a go-to guy if you needed a huge blockbuster script uh, in the 90s and uh, even in the 2000s. And then Sam Raimi, I mean, we sing his praises all the time on here. He's coming all back day. to do Doctor Strange. I'm so fucking excited uh he did dark man which people forget about his first comic book movie dark man yeah uh and evil dead which you could argue is like a horror comic book you know you know kind of inspired influenced graphic uh, property right yeah yeah so um i'm just i i I love his style of filmmaking it's just like so uh it's so frenetic and uh and like visual he's always interested in how to visually convey information rather than just like Mm -hmm making a character say it you know what i mean like it, it would absolutely i feel like a lot of the times nowadays that's not the case um so i'm really looking forward to what he's going to bring to dr strange um because that story there's so he even said like this was the most difficult film that he had he had ever worked on because there's so many multiverse characters and they all have their own backstory and how to balance that out and i'm like oh shit that's i oh. mean that is true, yeah. but if there's one person I feel I could do it, possibly, I mean, Ramy, Ramy, I have all the faith. So same, same, yeah, one hundred percent. I think he. I'm excited to see what he does here too, because what's kind of cool about this is he always wants to play with the technology. Like his imagination will always be even greater than what a practical effect could give mm-hmm. him. And what I love about him doing Doctor Strange is that the CG is is so fucking good now. It is so much better than it was in the year 2002. So him mm. being able to have access to the best technology means that the length of his imagination only gets to increase. And what he's been able to do without it is amazing. So I'm 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 trying not to like hype it up in a way where I'll feel disappointed. <laughs> I but know. I'm mostly just excited for him to have all the tools to make the art he wants to make because he truly is like a painter director. You know, he, he's so much more than just a filmmaker when he's directing and it, it's so unique. I can't, it's hard to find a director that, that is, is, can do what he does. Yeah. Well, I mean, like even like there was certain shots in here where like, you know, every time there was like a spider web, it would like zoom out. So you see Peter through the spider web, like shit like that, like where I'm just like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's I mean, like, you know, that him being bitten by the spider is coming because of him yes. setting it up by that. You know what I mean? Like, uh, so and I, I think what's what stood out to me this time around, too, was just that um, this was such an early superhero film. You know, MC, MCU films are coming out every year now. So we kind of take it yeah. for granted. <laughs> but like the only right. films I like. You know, I was too young to see Blade at the time, but like, so my first one I, I could say was X Men, which came out mm-hmm. two years before this, um, and I I liked X Men a lot. Don't get me wrong, like that. Like I, I said, Wolverine, my number, my number two guy. Uh, mm-hmm. But when when Spider Man came out, it was just it just hit different. I, like it's not, it's just because it's so re- much more relatable. And um, yeah, I guess seeing how Raimi took what had been 
previous properties, he he recruits Danny Elfman, who did the Batman's uh, theme in, in yep. the, uh, the Tim Burton Batman movies. And even, uh, you know, the parade scene was reminding me a lot of the ending of the first Batman movie, Batman 89, uh, during, yeah. during the parade and, and all of that. Uh, and, and so there is something about something to that grittiness mixed with the humor too in Tim Burton's movies, which I, I love about mm-hmm. his style as well. And so I totally. think uh, Sam, Sam Raimi was taking that template, putting his own stamp on it. Um, and I think he did a great job. So absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he just has a way of serving the material and putting his own stamp on things. It's so interesting how he doesn't ever, t- he doesn't take too much space from the story. It's like, you know, it was his, but he still serves whatever story was put into his hands. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like he, he's such a collaborative director in that sense where the writing even feels like it reflects him, even though someone else wrote it. You know what I mean? Yes. And even the, I mean, the writing, like you, like you were saying, like they make their own blueprint that moving forward, like people would use as an origin story blueprint because they, Mm -hmm. it was so successful in this movie with like, you know, him being bitten by the spider and the, and him testing out his powers, which I love that, you know, scene with like, you know, go web, go, like trying to figure out how to, (laughs) kills me, how to do the webbing is so, that's probably the funniest he was in this whole movie, Tobey Maguire, I have to say, uh, just such, such a great scene. And, um, yeah, that was a change from the comics too, which like people give this movie shit about as well. That um, you know, in the comics, he had the web shooters rather than it coming from you know him himself, uh, which was, uh, you know, it's I, interesting. I, don't mind it. I think it, it goes with the puberty themes that like you know totally. what I mean. Like he, it comes it comes from his body rather than something he creates. And even Sam Raimi, uh, in the research, said that like it makes more sense than a high schooler <laughs> having yeah. enough time to build, build something that like, uh, you know, glue companies couldn't have come up with, you know, like <laughs> that's such a good point. What a great <laughs> you know, way of thinking a, about it. Yep. Yeah. So oh, he's a genius. I'm, I'm with him on that. I don't mind it. Um, I think, I think it works for this film and, um, that's one of the differences in the new ones too, where it's like, yeah, you, so now you can have both versions, you know what I mean? And, uh, that's I right. think it works. It works out on each of them. Yeah, same, same. Yeah, that it, that's that is the unique thing is he it, the way he conceptualizes the problems that as a director he's interested in solving versus the visions other yeah. directors bring with them. It's just always worth showing up for no matter what it is because he he can just be so versatile and still mm-hmm. be unique. It, it, it's something to marvel at and it makes picking like my favorite parts of his movies really hard because this we one has so it, many i know but <laughs> this one has so many amazing pieces too where you're like oh fuck i forgot about how cool that is or like oh shit that's awesome i wish they did more of that later just so many good so many good pieces do you want to uh, get into our kind of favorite stunt and our favorite kills um yeah well let's let's i'll start with a uh, stunt um because i i mentioned already the you know, bone saw Randy Savage cage match is just <laughs> like I have to mention it. Iconic. So I love Randy Savage in here. Are you ready? Like Fuck he's just yeah. eating every single line. He's just <laughs> he yeah, made sure to show up. And he's like, he's like, you're not going nowhere. It's just oh god, <laughs> I, I love I love when he shows up, and uh, that's when you get the the first Bruce Campbell cameo as the as the announcer. Yep. Uh, a lot of cameos in this movie, actually, too. Um, and Hell so yeah. uh, I had to go with the final fight with Green Goblin because 
to this day, it's it's so it's so uh, real. You know what I mean? Like every hit, you, you're you're, you're yeah. feeling it. It's it's loud. Yep. It's and 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 Spider Man gets his ass kicked for like half of the fight. I would say a good yeah. half of the fight. Green Goblin yep. is legit drop kicking yep. his ass, going through bricks, throwing through bricks. Like and even uh, I love the shot where uh, Spider Man's using his web to kind of like give him some breathing room and green goblin's yep. like nah fuck that and just like takes the webs apart and punches them through it and i'm like oh damn yes. like you really think spider-man might take a, a loss here at the end and Hell uh yeah. you know and then it ultimately climaxes with the uh what you said the glider uh death uh which you had that's mentioned before so i just think that's just uh it it, it builds everything like where you know green goblin had fully trans trans transition from like you know feeling bad for this guy to like nah you tried to kill this dude's aunt this elderly aunt and uh his girl and uh yeah now you, now you now you need some some justice in the form of these hands <laughs> so i mean what, but not I, even right like yeah. it, it's like we're talking about it, it, that peter doesn't want to have kids. to be <laughs> Yeah, he doesn't want to have to be, you know, vengeance at all. He's not here to do that. He It makes him sad because I think part of him even admired Harry Osborn. You know, he's a, a guy who has his own science company and Peter loves science. It's just so, it's such a, it's such a great, like a I'm fitting end. myself. <laughs> yeah, like he has to just slide away from the dangers of manipulation. And that's kind of what it is to become an adult, is that when you're a child, there are people constantly manipulating your perception to make you do things, comply with rules, and make their lives easier. And when you become an adult, you have to say, like, no, this is what makes my life easier, and I have to start doing exactly. it. And that moment just, Self-care. I feel like, collects it completely. Yeah. Because then, of <laughs> course, when he returns Har- uh, Norman and Harry sees, you know, of course, Harry is nowhere near ready to have that kind of great growth. Oh, God, so he conveniently he has a gun in the, the side door. Yeah. <laughs> <He does. laughs> and But they set it up perfectly in the sequels, you know, for him to become the Hobgoblin, which is from the comics totally. as well. Um, they set totally. up so much beautifully at the end of this movie. I mean, the Mary Jane dynamic that we touched on in the sequels, I forgot how good it was set up in this, where, like, uh, you know, the sequel even pays it off, like, all the stuff that this movie starts off, uh, which kind of leads to what's your favorite stunt? I, I'm setting you up perfectly here. <laughs> yes, yes. I mean, it's it's so hard for me to pick because the sequences and the stunts are so seamlessly placed together, too. Like, they're really great big sequences like the whole pick between Mary Jane and the cable car of kids, which uh, just a fun personal anecdote. When I was living in New York through my apartment window, I used to be able to see that thing. And so I'd always be like, Oh, Spider-Man and and definitely geek out. So I I love that piece. (laughs) But I guess if I have to pick a, the stunt that I, that sticks with me, it has to be the upside down kiss because while it's not a traditional stunt, the waterboarding that Tobes Maguire had to experience to do it, and also just how like iconic a shot it becomes, you know, everyone knows this image, even if they can't remember the rest of the movie, everybody knows that kiss. And so I, I have to refer to it as the best stunt. Never, never a sexier moment. Uh, in Spider-Man, nope. Live action Spider-Man, you know what I mean? Like it's just like like it's so sexy and uh, you know pays off. You know you know you know Peter loves this girl. He can't express it. 
Uh, but you know, like her, her, her doing it, like you know, I, like taking it off, taking and, that lead. Uh, you know, yep, taking the lead, being like, I just want to thank you, and uh, the rain, like, dude, I, I noticed this time, like his neck veins were like bulging out too. I'm like, dude, that must have sucked <laughs> to like be standing there. How many takes did that have to oh. take for he's just getting like you said waterboarded? Uh, I'm sure he totally. didn't complain though. I mean, he's kissing Kirsten Dunst, but uh, you know, that's say. true. <laughs> Mm-hmm. All the same, mm-hmm. it must it must have sucked to try and get that shot. Um, well, and I really appreciate it too because, like we're mentioning for Peter and the puberty element that he's going through, there's something really amazing about the Mary Jane of this story, a lot like Zendaya's too, where she's empowered. She feels this draw to whoever Spider-Man is. She feels awakened by him and alive with him, and so mm-hmm. she is empowered enough to embrace her own sexuality in that moment, yes. even though like five seconds earlier someone was about to steal it from her. Because I find yes. that to be pretty. <laughs> curious like in this movie revisiting it i'm like holy shit we were like about to go down a really dark situation and instead yeah yeah, instead we get to leave with her being like absolutely not i've reclaimed my sexuality completely and i'm in love with Mm -hmm. (laughs) spider-man and i guess it's it's like kind of justified you can kind of justify because that was the second time that spider-man had saved her and you know she kind of Quips uh, right. where you know where she's like you know I think I got a stalker you know you uh, you keep following <laughs> me everywhere I go uh, right so, but uh, yeah what about uh, your favorite kill what would, what's your favorite kill in this movie because we're running out of time here so I want to make sure yes, we get everything yes. in here. I think I love when uh, Norman first takes the green uh, gas and then he kills the other scientist guy uh, just because of yes. how fucking crazy Defoe is in that scene. He's like, Dude. it's so good. <laughs> he's like, his whole body's convulsing <laughs> like he's having a seizure. <laughs> it's insane. Oh, man, it's so good. <laughs> and then, oh, I don't know if you noticed, I noticed this time his eyes turned white in one shot and I was definitely like, oh, Evil Dead. I was like, Yes. <laughs> yes. It's so scary. It's like you're like, holy shit, yeah. something scary is happening. And it's such a Raimi move to to not get too lost in the comedy or the camp. But to remember, like, this is also scary from another lens. I'm not going to use that one too much and, in this in part two. But in part two with the Doc Ock uh, sign, the Doctor yeah. scene too, straight up horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, the best. I, yeah. What's yours? Like. I wanted to mention just a couple that I'm not, like honorable mentions. Uh, when Green mm. Goblin throws the bomb and uh, the <laughs> the board turns into skeletons, just another part that just CGI is not great, but it's hilarious. Nope. It makes me. It's like the Army of the Dead skeletons. You know what I mean? Like Army of Yes, <laughs> Army of Dark, Army of Darkness, where it's just yep. like you know it's not real, but like it does the job. You know, and then exactly. uh, he also like torpedoes the the other like the military guy as well. Yeah, I could have gone with that, but I want to take it a, a little different this week, and I have to go. It's not. It's it's kind of messed up to say favorite kill, but I. <laughs> That's true. You said I. You said iconic, and nothing in superheroes to me, other than maybe Batman's parents, is more iconic than Uncle Ben dying. Uh, so in true. This movie. It it sets Peter on this trajectory in, in, in these movies going forward to where, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Um, you know, he acted mm-hmm. like an asshole to Uncle Ben the last time he, he was with him. Yeah. Uh, and so that always eats at him. And then even in, in part two, uh, when he has the Uncle Ben, uh, you know, vision or Flashback whatever you want to call vibes. it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, where where he kind of says, no, like, I'm not uh, listening to you anymore. Like, I'm going to go on my own path. So, um, right. it's just, yeah, it, it's essential to the character and it, it's what drives him. And, um, 
you know, like I said, similar to Batman. And it's like, you get it. You understand that this is why he is the way he is. So I had to go. On totally. That. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it, that scene still yeah. gets me. I cry. I legit cried. So yeah, <laughs> I still cry. Probably. I was, tearing, it's up. Too I was good. tearing up as well. It, there, there's yeah. some, there's some, yeah, that was a tough, tough scene to, to get through. Um, because they're both so good. Tobey Maguire and uh, Cliff Robertson. Um, exactly. quickly though, I want to, I want to share some there's so many special features on this, uh, uh but, uh, yeah. for the casting, um, you know, so Peter, the, the studio was interested in everybody from Leonardo DiCaprio, Freddie Prince Jr., wow. uh, Wes Bentley was a fan favorite, Ooh. Frankie Munez, Topher Grace, uh, who would go on to play, uh, Venom in the third God, Spider-Man movie. Wes Bentley. <laughs> <laughs> A lot, a lot so weird. Edward, it would have been, yeah. Edward Furlong, Jude Law, Heath Ledger. Oh my god, never yeah. not Edward Furlong either, guys. No way, absolutely yeah, not. I know. Yeah, it, it was, it was like a 20 year development, though. So you have to consider like 90s. This is like 80s, 90s, 2000s. You know, like these are all in the span oh, of right. 20 years. You know what I mean? Of right of the studio considering these some of these names, uh, Green Goblin alternate castings nicholas cage john malkovich bill paxton mel gibson john travolta brad duraf and robert de niro all, <laughs> all great <considered>. choices <laughs> yes. all um, spider-mans i want to see hopefully in the multiverse of madness because some of those choices are insane to be originally billy crudup who would uh you know go on to play uh mr manhattan dr manhattan and watchman uh, right, but uh, he was he was considered too young at the time to be ah. uh, Norman, so they they opted for uh, you know Willem Dafoe and Raimi uh, <sighs> fell in love with him uh, after meeting him and uh, his uh, his take on the performance. So uh, Mary uh, Jane, so much we got uh, yeah, I know <laughs> Mary Jane. We got Elizabeth Banks audition before uh, being re- like cast as Betty Branton here. Uh, oh. Kate Hudson, Kate Hudson, Tara Reid. Um, Alicia Witt, of course, who Alicia Cuthbert. <laughs> uh, wow, and then and then all the '80s names that you could possibly think of, like from when it of was course. like earlier in development: Jennifer Jason Lee, Ali Sheedy, right. you know, Oof. Julia Roberts. Like, just the list goes on and on. Um, but oh, I, nobody I, could I, do I it. Think, yeah, Kristen Dunst is is the perfect perfect uh, result. Yep. Um, yeah, she's the absolute girl next door of that time. She fits into the sort of caricature. Literally yeah, like the girl with next she, door. you know, the, <laughs> she looked just like the uh, cartoon at the time of like the red-haired exactly. gal they were using. It. So it just, I felt, it, I feel like it was such a perfect choice, and it's such style. a great time. I love capsule. her style too. Yes. Yep. Fashion in yep. here was like really stood out too. Where she's like, this is just a cool chick. Like she just mm-hmm. has her own sense about her and her own, uh, you know, she wants to be yep. an actress and uh, yeah. So um, director's possibilities, another crazy thing, uh, David Fincher was asked to direct, uh, what? which I want to see so bad because you know how we love Fincher on this podcast. Uh, yeah. Chris Columbus, Whoa. Chris Columbus, uh, all right, that could have uh, been cool. James Cameron. Uh, so I, that's that's where the Leo casting probably came in after Titanic. In. Uh, totally. Tony Scott, John Devant. Barry Sonnenfeld, Michael Bay, Roland Emmerich, Ang Lee, and M. Night yes. Shyamalan. All possibilities at the time. <laughs> Damn. Wow, what a Holy different shit. universe it would be. The multiverse, right? Like, what, what a crazy... 
Yeah, what a crazy uh, like twenty year situation where they work so hard. There are so many people attached. There's so many ways it can go, and then for it to be this, and now for us to see what that's been able to create in the whole MCU, it's like if Sam Raimi hadn't nailed this, or if some other director came on, other actors, and this sucked the way that like I'm so sorry Ben Affleck, but Daredevil did. What a different world the MCU <laughs> would be, right? Right. And that I'm was so it, sorry. around the same time. Exactly. Like we, we can be well, a whole yeah. other world. So it's kind of amazing. I can't believe that. But, you know, with any big studio movie, of course, it's going to be that kind of crazy. Um, all right. Yeah. Squeeze one more thing in yeah. and then I got to run. <laughs> oh, God. It's so hard. Um, I guess. So uh, the Green Goblin look, uh, Willem Dafoe performed 90 percent of his stunts. And so a lot of yes. fans were complaining about that. It's not more comic accurate that it's like you know uh it's it's not a biological transformation like in the comics and it's just more of a suit even though he is enhanced uh, because of the the thing and um right you know but w- the foe wanted to be more uh flexible in the suit and uh you know i, I you can look up the footage on youtube about the makeup test that they did and i, I think they made uh-huh. the right choice like i think we'd be yeah. on here saying that the makeup didn't hold up because it didn't it just it, it looks cool in the True. comics in putting it to live action. That's a whole other thing. And I just, I think it would have been distracting and weird. And I, I, I like the suit. I think it, it looks, it's like all these like really, uh, you know, sharp lines and it, it looks like you just touching it. You get like fucking stabbed by it. You know, everything is like yeah. a knife. You know what I mean? And like, it and so dope. it goes good with the glider and, uh, you know, all of his weapon yep. choices are just like, you know, missiles and bombs and just it's it's like very uh offensive in its in its look so i i like it i like the suit i think it looks cool same same i feel like i appreciate yeah. it because in the future the suits are all fake pretty much so i really appreciate exactly. that real tangible awesome, yeah. <laughs> tangible yeah. awesome suit for sure yeah nice all right cool all right we've got to sneak out of here so uh let's remind the people where they can find us where can they find you Find me on Twitter at Rampage underscore Misfit uh, and my movie pages, pages at Misfit underscore Minded on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and at Action Movie Buffs on Instagram as well and Facebook. Yes, and you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Shanny B Movies. Stream Queens is off this week, but you can find our backlog on Spotify along with the backlog of movie buffs on Spotify. So check right. us out and join us. Yeah, we'll be back next week because it's the anniversary of the fifth element. So I'm pretty Let's fucking go, excited. Let's go, Bruce that. Willie. Hell Bruce yeah, Willie. be Willie. Yes, yes. <laughs> but yeah, um, all right, awesome, man. Thank you listening. so much. Yeah, we'll catch you guys next week on another episode of Movie Buffs.